Okay, we're going to spend some time looking at God's Word together. So if you have a Bible, uh, would you like to uh, turn to John chapter 8? And we'll start from verse 12. We've been uh, in a, uh, this term just trying to consider afresh um, who Jesus is and the life that's available in him. We've been reminding ourselves that really everything is about him. It's all about Jesus. We want our lives to be all about him, shaped by him and glorifying him. So we're going to consider who he is and who he told us he is. So there's a number of times through John's gospel where he, he says, I am. Uh, we saw a few weeks ago the occasion where he says, I am the bread of life. Uh, and there are seven such kind of massive headline statements that Jesus made through John's gospel that we're going to be looking at over the, uh, in these weeks. And we've arrived at the next one. So John chapter 8, uh, verse 12. I'll read through to about verse 36, I think. When Jesus spoke again, to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your Father? You don't know me. Or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked, just what I've been claiming all along. Jesus replied, I've much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I've heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I will always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. 
Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Now if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We could keep going really in that reading because it's all part of a a conversation Jesus is having with uh, Jewish people and Jewish leaders in or around uh, the temple um, that, that goes on for the rest of that uh, rest of that chapter, but we hear, have there right at the outset the next I am saying, I am the light of the world. You know, Jesus has been in the temple, in the temple area. Actually, we've seen in chapter 7 a massive feast, one of the annual festivals or massive parties is happening, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. So God's people have been gathering to the temple, and in one of the courts, in the court of the women, Um, there were absolutely huge, I'm not sure how many, but there were absolutely huge uh, giant candlesticks, in effect, uh, that that were lit in the evenings for for that week when they're having this massive festival. And so they'd be there in the courts, praising God, singing, dancing, celebrating together in the light of these huge lampstands. And it was said that like every rooftop in Jerusalem was illuminated by the light that was coming from these lamps. So it could be speculation, but it could be the case that at the point that Jesus is speaking here, just after the Feast of Tabernacles, he's in the courts, in the courtyard of the temple. The, the lampstands are there, but they've now been snuffed out because the party's over. You've been living in the glow of these lights, but now Jesus is saying, I am the light. I'm the light of the world with an amazing promise. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What the people of God were doing was remembering the time in their history when God set them free. He set them free from slavery in Egypt. He led them out. And uh, actually, we were watching Prince of Egypt. That's right, isn't it? Watching Prince of Egypt yesterday afternoon. It's half terms coming. If there's a, a, a wet and dreary afternoon, you're wondering what to do, find Prince of Egypt. Uh, when like cartoon films were actually hand-drawn cartoons rather than computer-generated. Anyway, 1998 feels like a long time ago. Um, we're watching Prince of Egypt, getting this uh, visual impression, an artist's impression of what it may have looked like for the people of God to be set free from Egypt and walk all the way to the sea, being followed by Pharaoh and his chariots, thinking, oh, how are we going to be rescued? How are we going to get out of this? We're trapped. We can't go through the sea. And they've surrounded us. And God came down in a pillar, a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire that, that shielded them, brought confusion and darkness on the one side so that all the army of Pharaoh couldn't find them. And in that night, uh, God sent the wind um, uh, that blew open this mighty channel, this dry walkway uh, through the sea so God's people could escape. This massive pillar of cloud, I've kind of wondered, was it like in the day, you know, uh, in the morning, you know, the, the pillar of cloud would then wander up, high five the pillar of fire and say, job well done, I'm clocking on now. Uh, was it one pillar of cloud that during, you know, when it was dark, it would be revealed, uh, was just, uh, had fire in it? This cloud is the, the, the glorious, wonder, wonderful presence of God who's come down to his people to lead them 
and to protect them, to do miracles and to guide them through. That's what God did in this amazing pillar of cloud. When the pillar moved, the people of God would move. When the pillar stopped, the people of God would stop. They must have been thinking to themselves, well, what, what's, the, what's the way of safety? How can we get through? You've set us free, but where do we go now? Follow the cloud. Whatever you do, follow the cloud. That's how they lived. They followed this amazing cloud, and that's what God's people are, are, are looking back to remember. Look at how God led us. Look at how God set us free. Look at how God protected us. Do you remember God on the move? To say God is light, to say God is at work. God is on the move. He is in action. And so now we see uh, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. He's come down now. Not in a cloud burning with fire. He's come down in a person. He's come down in a man called Jesus. To, to guide and lead his, uh, God's people to bring them out of slavery and into, uh, into freedom. The gospel, therefore, the good news in Jesus, is, is represented in many places as light triumphing, winning over darkness. We have that through John's, uh, John's gospel in a number of places right at the beginning, John chapter 1 and verse uh, 4. In him, speaking of the word, that is Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it or has not overcome it. There was a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. That's how uh, John is explaining uh, the good news there. We see it in, um, in 1 John as well, where it's declared, God is light. God is light. In him, there is no darkness. So in God, in himself, his wonderful, mysterious character, that we, we, can, we can get to know, but we still have to stand and, and marvel at things about God that are almost too wonderful for us. But as we behold God, we're beholding one in whom there is no darkness whatsoever. When we get to glory, and we're before the throne of God, we, there won't, we won't need any spotlights. There, there won't be spotlights around the throne to shine light on the one who is seated on the throne. Why? Because God himself is light. So light is coming from him. So we won't need the sun or the moon in heaven because we will just see with our own eyes. God is light. There's no darkness in him. Sometimes we, as believers or as, as, as people exploring matters of faith, might think, well, I, I hear what you say, but it, always just wondering, we almost might be wondering, where are the shadows? Where's the sinister bit? You, you know, you're telling me that God's really good, but there must be some skeletons in the closet. There must be some aspects that, are, that aren't good. No, God is light. There's no darkness in him. He doesn't even cast a shadow. He's utterly, purely good. As we've been singing about him earlier on, it's appropriate to say, open the eyes of my heart. You are holy, holy, holy. That's what angels around the throne are constantly singing. You are pure. You are good. You are light. You are love. There is nothing uh, 
Nothing sinister, nothing shadowy in God. And so the good news is about us being rescued from darkness and brought into the light. That's what we're told in in Colossians, just another place. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion, or like the kingdom of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Once we were in the dark, once we were lost. Why did God the Father send his Son? He was sending light into the world. Why? Because he wants to rescue us out of darkness and bring us into his kingdom. That darkness is not just around us. Sometimes the world, often the world, seems like a tremendously dark place, as Steve was sharing earlier on. Um, You know, we we have this time together, it's just a couple of hours. Most of life is spent out there. Why? Why are we going? Why are we here? Well, it's to enable us and to equip us to go back out there. Why do we need that equipping? Because it does get pretty dark. The world is a gloomy place where darkness reigns. But the darkness isn't just out there, is it? The truth is, the darkness was in here. I needed rescuing from my own darkness. Not just all the other stuff that people do to me. Not all the other problems that I've got to face in life out there. But actually the stuff in me that is dark. The Lord Jesus came to rescue me from that as, uh, as well. And, uh, but then once that rescue has taken place, our whole identity has changed. You can read in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul encouraging God's people, saying, For you were once darkness. Not just that you lived in it, you were darkness. But now you are the light. Uh, now you are light in the Lord. And here comes the encouragement. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Live as children of light. light, Now that you belong to the light. This is all that's available in Jesus. This amazing promise. It presents us, I suppose, however, with a profound choice. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So which will it be? There would appear to be two options. Walking in darkness, or having the light of life. I have the light of life as I follow Jesus. I walk in darkness as I ignore him and walk away from him. So which will it be? Jesus is holding out an amazing promise and also a profound choice. We'll spend just a bit of time looking at those uh, two realms, those two realities, those two options. I can walk in darkness or I can have the light of life. And we'll start by considering what, what, what does it mean to be walking in darkness What does it involve? Well, the conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees and the Jews, those that are in the temple courts listening to him at that point, reveals a little bit about what living or walking in darkness 
involves. Jesus will say to them as they challenge him, here you are appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid, the Pharisees say. Jesus goes on to say, you judge by human standards. If we're living, if we're walking in darkness, we judge by human standards. Jesus said something similar in in chapter 7 verse 24 where he challenges them, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. They see a man before them, Jesus. They listen to him, he's from the north and they don't really like the way he looks maybe, they don't like what he's saying, they don't have much respect for his accent, they're just taking note of his appearance and judging by human standards. This man doesn't appear to amount to much, they might think. They're, a, they're a, an impressive group of religious experts. And they look around themselves, and they think, well, does, do any of you be, uh, believe in him? And they all think, no. Nicodemus is there thinking, oh, maybe we should give him a decent hearing. Be quiet, shut up, Nicodemus. It's what they effectively say to him. No, none of us have believed in you. So if we, the religious establishment, the rulers and the leaders, haven't sided with you, Jesus, if none of us are on your side, then how can we tell that you're worth following? It's a completely bizarre argument. Jesus is saying, look, I'm the light of the world. But they just see, they just see a man. Imagine, I have to confess, this isn't really my own illustration, because I, if it's a good illustration... I've probably just nabbed it from somebody else because I can't really come up with them. So C.S. Lewis came up with this observation once, but I'm going to invite you. Into my old garden shed. Anyone got a garden shed? Uh, Growing up in the top corner of the garden, big slope, top corner of the garden was our shed. And it wasn't that big, but maybe actually it was the size of this podium. Obviously, we're going through the door and we kept stuff in the shed. Um... Flower pots and spiders, I think, was the limit, really. That's what we had. So it could be a glorious day outside, beautiful summer's day, but if you go in the shed and the door swings closed, there may have been windows, but they weren't really worth much. It was gloomy. It was dark. That musty, damp smell of a garden shed. I do hope this illustration isn't too traumatic for anybody. Um, in In an outhouse, in a shed... And it's dark and it's gloomy and I can't see very much. It was made out of wood though, so there's a few cracks in this shed. And in comes a beam of light through one of those cracks because it's sunny outside. So there you might be in the shed, in your own shed or in my shed or in C.S. Lewis's shed. And a beam of light comes in. You can see it. But initially, what does it do? All it does is highlight that in the air, there's dust. You can, that's what you can see, first of all. You can see the shaft of light, and you can see the dust in the air. That's what the light is showing up. It's almost as though the Pharisees can see Jesus, the light of the world. He's come into their, their world. He's, he's come into their life, bringing light. But all they can see is the dust. No, we don't really believe you, Jesus. Now, how could that light become clearer? You know, if you've got like a, a torch in your pocket, and the batteries really run low. You know when the torch, you, you can see that you've turned it on, but all that really happened is 
the bulb is faintly glowing. It doesn't really cast any great light. You've got the sun, this gigantic ball of burning gas thousands of miles away, powerfully sending light into the tool shed. Try and flick on your torch. I just want to investigate this a little bit more closely. You don't need to shine light on light to see the light. Jesus has come. Even if I speak on my own, my testimony is valid. I know where I've come from. I've come from the Father. He sent me and I'm here. I'm representing him. But you don't know him, so you won't recognize me. Is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. They're just judging by human standards. We can do that. Always reserving judgment. I mean, we can do that with each other as well. But we can do that with our Lord. And that can lead us to just kind of making decisions on life by a kind of pack mentality. You know, they're trying to squash Nicodemus. Maybe we should listen. Be quiet. No, none of us believe in you, Lord. None of my group recognize you as a savior of the world. So they, they have the kind of sense of security just in numbers. Actually, people were listening to Jesus and following them, but that didn't kind of count somehow. It doesn't really matter what's true. It matters what does this group that I belong to think. And none of us really wants to be in a minority. So we can kind of just think, well, it's just really easy. It's easier to say, what does someone else think than to say, what, what do I think myself? Just find somebody else to quote. In this day of hype, isn't it strange? Be a unique individual. You're absolutely unique. But buy our clothes and be trendy like all these other people. You're totally unique. You're a total individual. You don't need anyone to tell you what to think. But this person's opinion sounds good, doesn't it? It just becomes a great irony. We want to stand out and we don't want to stand out. So we, we can make decisions by this kind of pack mentality. Hats off to Nicodemus in that group. Daring, I know he went under darkness, but daring to go and find Jesus and have a chat with him. Daring to say, I think we should listen to him. Daring to take his body with Joseph and Arimathea. When the time was right, he came out. I'm following Jesus. What's it like for you where you are? The group that you might be a part of. Because once you're outside of this room, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're in a minority. You're part of this small group saying, I I believe him. That can be a difficult place to be sometimes. But we can, sometimes we just want to walk in the shadows and walk in darkness rather than walk in the light. And Jesus goes on talking to them about walking in darkness. He says to them, if you hold to my teaching, this is verse 31. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Why did that so irritate them? They've been slaves of lots of people, haven't they? They've been slaves of Egypt. Now more recently, slaves to Rome. In between, if you like, occupied by loads of other nations. They weren't really talking about that. They all wanted to say, are you trying to tell us that spiritually, we're not free, we're, we're, we're set free? How dare you insinuate that in some ways we're enslaved and in darkness? But they were. 
enslaved by sin. They could say to him, is he going to kill himself? Is that what he means? Whilst most of them are harboring the plan of killing him, they're in darkness without being able to acknowledge it themselves. Enslaved by sin. Why has Jesus come? I want to rescue from darkness. To be rescued and brought into the light, you've got to recognize at the outset that you're actually in darkness to start with. Sin is enslaving. That's what he says. Sin entangles. I tell you the truth, he'll say in verse 34. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Kind of reveals who our master is. The rabbi, apparently, who likened sin to begin with can just feel like a spider's web. You walk into the shed, there's spider's webs everywhere. Have you ever done that where you walk into a room and you just realize, oh, I've just walked into a spider's web? It doesn't really knock you back, does it? It's just a strange little flinch for a moment, and then you carry on doing with whatever you want. Because, well, a spider's web isn't very nice, but it can be easily broken. That's how sin begins. We think. We make a decision. It doesn't really matter. I could break this habit at any time. It's a spider's web to me. I'm in the shed. Wondering, I've chosen to be here. I could walk out at any point. But the spider's web becomes to us a ship's rope, which is like that. A spider's web, you can just brush it off. But sin becomes this rope that is, more, that is stronger than we are. Have you ever known that in your own experience? If you haven't, you better pay attention because it can be easy to make choices thinking I'm in control I can start or I can stop and we think of freedom in those terms don't we freedom is the ability to do exactly what I want I am free to choose any lifestyle I'm free I'm I'm free to swear I could stop swearing tomorrow actually sometimes when people have made that decision they realise they can't it's kind of stuck They can't stop saying that stuff. I'm free to look at whatever I like. It doesn't affect me. I can choose, I can start, and I can stop. You realize, well, that might be how it started. But then sin enslaves, it takes control, its power grows in our lives. And we realize we're not in control. We've now got this hook in our mouth, and we're being dragged. We're being dragged by darkness. It's like welcoming in a, a smiling guest into your house. Oh, hello, I've not met you before. Yes, come on in, come on in. Oh, it's just my guest. I could kick them out at any point. It's time for you to go now. Sin says, no, I'm staying put, thank you. I want to rule over your life. I want to dominate your house. I want to decorate every room. Leave it to me. And all the walls go dark. All the curtains close. Because sin wants to rule. Sin wants to dominate. Even for apparently religious and pious men, sin was dominating. That's walking in 
darkness. They have no room for Jesus' words. But what Jesus is offering to those who follow me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember, it's entirely appropriate to say Jesus, for Jesus to say, follow me. If he's likening himself to that pillar of cloud, that pillar of fire, what did the people of God have to do? They had to follow it. So we have to follow Jesus. The, the way to freedom, the way out of darkness, is to follow Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other one who can set us free. He's the one in our lives who leads, who guides, who protects So we're back in the garden shed. Sun's still shining outside. This ray of light is coming in. We have looked at the ray of light. We have seen the dust in the, uh, in the, in the air that it's illuminated. And then we make a decision. Not just to kind of like try and shine a light on it from the outside. Try and work out, is this a good thing or not? The way to see how good the light is is to step into it. The light is coming in. You put yourself into the light. Now you're not just seeing the shed. If you look along the light, what are you going to see? You're going to see outside of the shed. You're going to see the leaves and the blossom on the crabapple tree. That's what we had just outside ours anyway. Through that, you might see a bird. Go further and you'll see blue sky and you'll see cloud and then tucked by the cloud, producing the light, you'll see the sun. You're still in the same place, but your breath is taken away as you see something incredible. The, the way to get to know the light, the way to, to, to receive it is to step into it. They might say, yeah, but you're still in a shed. And I might say, you're absolutely right. Because what's going to happen? We're going to have a cup of coffee, we're going to leave, and we're going to go and do life, whatever life involves. And when you're doing life, what will you see? Sometimes you'll see darkness. Sometimes you'll be, involved, you'll, you'll be aware. The, the culture in your office, the issues kicking off in family life, all manner of things where you might be thinking, Brexit, darkness, all sorts. But if you're a following Jesus... Wherever life might lead you, you are in the light. And you can see the light. And you can, you can know your heavenly Father and you can follow him. And there will be a day when there will be no more shed and no more cobwebs and no more darkness. We don't have to pretend straight away the shed doesn't exist. There's nothing challenging. The darkness is all gone. No, but the light's shining and darkness can't overcome light. So how do we respond to the light of life? Well, we follow him. Don't just look at the light. Don't just, uh, don't just read words on a page. Don't just listen to my words. But step into the light. that he, Jesus is real and he's here right now. That would also mean holding on to his teaching. To the Jews who had believed in him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you remain in it, if you abide in it, if you hold on to it, if you persevere with it, if you believe it, and if you believe it, 
You obey it. Hold on by obeying. Hold on by seeking to understand the word of the Lord more, better. That as we go through life, the teaching of Jesus becomes more precious to us. Maybe as we go through life, we see how dark darkness can get sometimes. What's your response? Sometimes believers who've come into the light can still just kind of be dragged back by the discouragements of looking around them and seeing that the life isn't always, this world isn't always a pleasant place to live. So where, where are you looking? What are you looking to? Change the analogy from gloomy bus to gloomy shed to crowded bus. You know that moment when there's just loads of people on the bus. You've got on. There's nowhere to sit down, so you've got to stand. And actually, it's a challenge to hold on to something. Now the bus is going to speed up, it's going to slow down, it's going to start, it's going to stop, it's sometimes it's going to swing around a corner. What are you holding on to? You've got to have something to hold on to. Sometimes what we can do is, if you're there with like a family member, you might think, I can, I can hold on to my friend. Don't do that. You're just both going to go down together. You've got to hold on to something that's secure. Now we're in a family, we're in relationship, there's support all over the place, but ultimately, to whom do we look? Ultimately, what are we holding on to? What's going to keep you secure in the uncertainties of life? But the teaching of Jesus. Abide in it. Persevere with it. And as we're getting hold of it, it's getting hold of us. The old me thought that true freedom was just getting what I wanted. Being able to get away with what I wanted. That's the freedom, in effect, that the world offers. True freedom is being able to choose to go God's way. And when we see God's way, and when we read about God's way, when we look at Jesus... Actually, it's what we want. It's, what, it's the way we want to go. And his word strengthens us and empowers us to go in that direction. Why do I say that? Well, because of what Jesus says himself. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It will go on to say, uh, again, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So we're to hold on to Jesus' teaching and we're to cooperate with the one who is setting us free. Like I said, that was an offensive mes- message to so many because they, they stumbled over the fact that Jesus was telling them, you're actually in darkness. Now if, again, I hope this doesn't get too traumatic, This is no longer my shed, okay, because otherwise it makes it sound like I'm keeping you there. But a dark and gloomy dungeon with chains. Maybe those chains of sin and darkness seemed like cobwebs to start with, but now they're iron. I cannot get out. I am not free. How? You have pulled. You have done your best. You've done everything. You've strained with every fiber. 
and then you've collapsed back. I can't get out. I can't get out of the darkness. I can't get out of my own darkness. Pulling and yanking all over the place until one with authority steps into that room, is there with you bringing light, and he has the key. What do you have to do at that point? You have to recognize you're being set free. And at that point, hold still. If you are yanking about all over the place, how can the one with the key come and turn the lock and get you out? If you're trying to set yourself free at that point, it doesn't work. Some of the battles that we face, some of the darkness that might still remain is because we're not prepared to cooperate with Jesus. And the one who says, hold still, I'm here. What you need is the truth. What you need is my word. What you need is faith in me and my words. That will set you free. It's it's his power and his authority. When Steve was sharing earlier on and bringing those questions to mind, who are you? I'll just pick one of them. Who are you? See, I'm very glad Steve brought that this week. Isn't that the irony of the way in which God works sometimes? Who are you? And immediately, in your mind, maybe whispered or maybe shouting, dark Thoughts, dark accusations. Where do those dark thoughts come from? They don't come from the Father of light. They come from the dark place. And an enemy will want to whisper into your thinking, this is why it is a battle for the mind, and therefore it's a battle for truth. The enemy will come in and he will whisper, you're nothing. You're nobody. You're not significant. You've been around for a few years, but you're not really part of this family. I hope that I'm not being too persuasive at this point. That's the silent dialogue that can be going on in our minds. And you might think it's only me. It will just be me that's experiencing that. Because everybody else kind of, I look around and they all look sorted and, and they all look part of things and they all look like they belong, but I don't. In the darkness of this world, we can experience, we can have experienced in the past, profound rejection, profound hurt. And we then have that almost carry that sense of darkness with us and it can form the internal ways in which our mind operates that's what we think that's actually what we believe what's going to set us free from a dark way of thinking there might be other whispers that you hear from time to time no one's watching no one will know you can break the habit in your 20s so don't worry now It can be all those ways of thinking. What's going to break that? First of all, you've got to recognize that's darkness. That's not God's voice. And despite what the shed feels like, despite what you might be feeling, you have got to take the word of God in hand and on your lips and say, because of Jesus, because of the good news, I'm not going to believe that. I will not believe a lie. I will not believe that life will be better if I can just get away with whatever I want. I'm not going to believe the lie that I'm not loved and I don't fit in and nobody cares. I'm not going to believe that anymore. Why? 
It might be part of that why is coming down the front and somebody praying for you. You both experience the power of God and also the friendly support of somebody in the church. But ultimately, how are you going to fight that? You can only do it with the truth. You can only do it with the words of Jesus by faith. That is what sets us free. Now, maybe you need setting free from that kind of original darkness. I, I, I've heard about God, but I've always had my suspicions that really he's dark. And so sometimes I look at people who follow Jesus and it looks appealing on one level, but I, I always have to guard myself because I'm never really quite sure. I'd love to shine a bit more of a light onto this whole thing that you call Christian faith. Um, until I'm entirely convinced, I'm going to just keep everything at arm's length. Well, today's the day to believe that God is light and in him there is no Darkness. When you come, if you come, when you come to Jesus, you're coming to the light of the world. You're coming to one who has true life to give you. Whatever you might face on this planet, and whatever you're uh, uh, leading you to, a glorious future. At the moment, it might just look like a crack through the shed, this shaft of light. But that's where the Lord's leading you. He's leading you to glory. He's leading you to eternal peace. Acceptance, not rejection. Love. You've got a choice to make today. You've also got a choice to make if as a believer who has stepped into the light, you are in danger or have already preferred to kind of turn back into the darkness. Or maybe it doesn't feel really dark. Maybe it's just a bit shadowy. But somehow it feels, feels safer to be in the shadows. Doesn't feel safe to come clean. Doesn't come, it doesn't feel safe to step into the light. Why? Because I might have to acknowledge that my kind of polished Christian exterior hides a little bit of darkness still. You're not going to get free by choosing the shadows. You're not going to walk in the freedom. Sometimes we can fool ourselves. It's what it says in 1 John. If we claim to have fellowship with Jesus in the light, but we're still choosing darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with him, but actually we hate a brother. I know some of you might have gone and played the Laser Quest recently. I loved a good game of Laser Quest. Um, I don't know how they managed to do this as a school trip, but as a school trip we got to go to, go to Laser Quest. And you get the readout afterwards about how well you did, how many people you shot with a laser, it's all right. Um, and... Uh, Every kind of 13-year-old lad like me was just charging around, running through this darkened warehouse, effectively, just looking for something to shoot. And we just wondered afterwards, why is it, and I've forgotten his name to my shame, why is it that our science teacher always comes out with the best, the best results? Because he stayed still in the darkest corner. He stayed still in the shadows. And as we all ran around like headless chickens, he'd just pick us off. We never found him, but he always got us. If you want to shoot someone, the best place to stay is in the shadows. If you want to nurse a grudge, the best place to stay is in the shadows. It can be, 
it can feel horrendous to step into the light. And if you're at school and you're daring to say, like Nicodemus, I think I believe in Jesus, that won't always be an easy place to be. If you're stepping into the light like that, and you can apply that to the workplace or family life or wherever else, you choose to step into the light. You weren't a target when you were in the darkness, but that wasn't really living. Now you're coming into the light, you might become a target for someone else's unkind words. Someone else is lurking behind the shadows and going to pick you off if they can. And you just hear the rumour about how friends might be talking about you when they found out what you do at the weekend or whatever else it might be. I follow Jesus. I believe in Jesus. You what? You've become an idiot to them. You've become an alien to them. Don't you? I don't understand you. But you choose to live in the light and align yourself to Jesus. He will be with you. And he will never let you down. And he will set you free by his powerful truth. So be brave today. And say, I'm stepping into the light. Be brave right now. And say, I don't want that sinful habit anymore. Be brave right now. And maybe if it's even for the first time, you're going to say, I believe in him. I'm coming, in, I'm coming to him. I'm acknowledging my darkness. I'm acknowledging there's something wonderful available in Jesus.